No, there's no spiders here, said the people we pay $30 a month. Yeah, there's a spider. <laughs> yeah, there's the big ass spider. It came Friday to spray. Because <laughs> oh, we, because Christy called to cancel. No. Because we have spiders. <laughs> I'm sure it's just water. Then <laughs> we can't. Welcome to Bonehead. Welcome to Bonehead. <laughs> that was again behind the scene footage for where there are no gift. spiders. <laughs> for your love gift of a thousand dollars, we'll give you more behind the scene footage. Well, for your love gift of a thousand dollars, I'll get somebody to come kill these fucking spiders. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> for your love gift of two thousand dollars, we'll pay somebody to bring in more spiders. You scared the spider because it just—it literally. Just I'm scared. so scarred. Sorry, eighteen-eyed, forty-two-leg fuck. <laughs> that I scared you. As long as it's not on my fucking leg, I don't give a shit. Actually, I don't. Do spiders bother you? Depends. Not really. But if they're on me, I might get a little jumpy. I, I mean, I'll kill it. Yeah, I'll kill it. But at first, I'll go. How'd that go again? Nah. Welcome to Bonehead. So I'm back from outer space. Yeah, where were you last week? I was in Florida. Bitches. Did you have a good time? I had a great time. Did you only let the girls have a good time? They had a good How time. How many days did you go to Disney? One, we just went to the Halloween thing. Well, I'm so sorry. No, it's okay. All I'll right, you. Why do you do this? I don't know. All right. <laughs> but I did, um, to your all's, uh, to uh, re repeat some of the stuff you all did talked you about. Did you go at four? Before. Huh? Did you go at four? Oh, yes. I went at four. We stayed till damn near midnight, 1230. Really? Yeah. I closed it at 1230 once, but I didn't have a three-year-old. Yeah, they were, she was still going to. She didn't want to leave. I had to drag her out. Mm. But, um. Fell asleep in the car, though. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they didn't even make it out of the parking lot, did they? Uh, Abby did. Haley, Haley walking out. We, we sorry, this might be boring, but uh, we, I don't care. They 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 were bored fifty seven episodes. We ago. were we were. Uh, <laughs> she was in our stroller, and I was wheeling her out of the park, and she says, "Daddy, I don't have to go to bed anytime soon." No, I'm like, "Well, you kind of gonna need to go to bed when we get back to the hotel." Well, I'm not going to bed now. Two seconds later. Abby, Abby or Haley. 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 My youngest. Yes. Yes. All right. He he went to Florida. I meanwhile listened to Florida. So because I kept looking to his left. I have no idea. He did the same thing with the NFL episode. Is I'm sorry. Camera? I, I, the camera's here, but I have three monitors, and y'all are on monitor three. One. What the one, hell two, are you three. doing with three monitors? I only have two. I only have two as well. Research for three. You want me to see if I move it? Would it make you happy? I, oh, look, I don't know if the cord's going to reach. I don't know. Oh, will it? Will it? Oh, is it going to stay there? No, no, no it'll stay still. For our uh, podcast listeners. Yeah. No, oh, oh, yeah, you, you, listen, Joe went on a 30-minute rant about his spider collection. I can... 18 legs and 46 eyes, you freak. Oh, no. Oh, my God. Why did you we You could have just this? left it alone. No, no, no. I don't, I don't, want, I don't want Joe to be upset. I don't want... Oh, oh, I'm gonna make sure that oh, oh. in every episode. Yeah. I now, uh, see, it's crooked. This is, see, see, for people who are watching us and not listening to us right now, I'm showing the Stay Puff. And, uh, uh, well, actually, reverse that, flip yeah. it. And now I'm going to look just, over here. This is my personal childhood Stay Puff that I had to play with as a child because it was a child's toy. While you were in your uh, refrigerator box of a bedroom outside yes. being fed Alpo. Uh, it's oh, yeah, like his wine parents name brand. <laughs> it's nutrient. Well, I started to whine like a pup. Yeah. <laughs> so, before we get... Welcome to Bonehead. Welcome to Bonehead, third time. So, before... Welcome we to Bonehead. 
before we get into the topic of today's episode. Oh no, he's turning his head like the exorcist. I feel like I should address a few points that were brought up in the last episode because, you know, apparently I don't listen to every single episode. One, I do not like Stone Cold. I've never seen it, nor do I, but I do not like Brian Botswick. I can tell you that much. Brian Bosworth. You Whatever. don't even know he said his name right. Exactly. It's not Brian Bosworth. There's somebody. Those that I have in the morning. <laughs> those are good. Somebody Two. named Brian Bosworth. Right Brian Bosworth. Two. Why the hell? Where's the gravy, Mr. Bisquick? Where's the gravy? Why the hell do you, you have to bring up Fred Dreyer in, in my honor? Because I figured you'd bring up Fred Dreyer if you were on the episode. Could you bring I up? Not, the, I didn't like Hunter. I never watched an episode. But you bring you brought it up in at least three previous episodes. Let's go just say bringing the Fred Dreyer up as Hunter is funny <laughs> to is me. It? Well, me. I don't give I a knew, fuck about anybody else. Obviously, <laughs> the I viewers have I, found that out. But and I then, knew if you were there, you would have brought up Hunter. So I brought up Hunter in your honor. Okay. Douchebag. Three. The, the 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 one that Joe where Joe said he's the constant in every episode. Yes. There have been many times where you said I can't record, so we just didn't do an episode because we use your basement. <laughs> Is Check. that the reason? Check. We've used my basement before. Is that the reason? I could come up with more. Anyway, <laughs> Joe is the only constant. Joe, it's a sticky, yeah, sticky, a sticky substance that holds us together. Now, no what's, sticky. What's the, what's the other one? No, those are my three points. No, the constant. <laughs> I don't know. I don't do math. What's the topic? Uh, it's, the, episode, it's the non-vowels. Yeah, thank you. People who steal shit. Yeah, heist movies. There you go. Now, you I'm not going to bring ones? up. I have, I have, I have, so... Jaws stole my heart. I have three on the mm. nose ones that are very popular that I think you all will steal at least one, maybe two of. But I have one that I almost guarantee either one of you have, either one of you have, and you'll probably go, "Oh shit, why didn't I think of it?" Which one is it? Well, who movies? wants to go first? Well, one thing, one thing. Should we talk about the fact that a good heist movie? And I don't know how any of y'all feel, with the exception of a few outliers. What's this Columbia Pictures underneath? That's good. That most heist movies are based the the main reason that heist movies are so popular is the ensemble cast. Well, yeah, I mean Ocean's Eleven, for example, either version that you're looking at or Ocean's Eight, that was the one where the girls came over to play. Yeah, which I I haven't seen that. I've I haven't seen, seen, I've seen the scene, so I couldn't add it to my list. So I I'm sorry. Well, and I don't have either the Ocean's movies on my list. Neither do I. But. I, Yes, it's always the fun and the casting and the ensemble cast. Several of them, actually, come to think about it, you're right. Except for one, all of mine are an ensemble cast. Yeah, there there was only one. I mean, there are several that um, <laughs> do not involve an ensemble cast, but the really great ones. Now, there's, opinion, there's one good one. I know, I figure I know which cast. one you're thinking of. Yeah. But the rest are, you have to have a great group of actors where the chemistry is in synced or you don't have a good heist movie. It could be the best plot ever, but if the cast doesn't yeah. connect, it's going to suck. Why what? Well, I, I was, I'll, I'll go ahead. I'll throw one out because Joe's already mentioned. I, I did want to talk about the original Ocean's Eleven with the Rat Pack. Yeah, and that was movie. just a reason for them to party and get drunk. Or was that Robin's Hood? Uh, no, that's Robin, Robin and the Seven Hoods. Hoods. Thank you, Thank sir. You. Mm. Uh, was the follow-up. Mm. They didn't do sequels, um, but Ocean's sequels Eleven. Ocean's Eleven. While he's talking, I'm getting a Diet Coke. Okay. 
Keep going. Thank you so much. <laughs> I'm going through Hold the on. screen to get my diet coke. Anyway, uh, oh, Ocean's Eleven, you, bitch. <laughs> Ocean's Game Eleven, a fuzzy taco. Ocean's Eleven. Uh, for those that don't know, the 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 Clooney Pitt uh, Robert. Hey, can I get you anything? Yeah, give me one. Go Fuck ahead, James. You, the Robert Pitt. Uh, Ro the, yeah, that that one is a remake. Uh, but it's really completely different as far as the plot goes, other than Robin Casino. Completely casinos. different. Same cast of them Robin shit, but completely different. Not the same cast, Joe. Uh, Frank Sinatra was dead. <laughs> I don't know why he Robin said... in the Seven Hoods? No, I said the remake is completely different tonally. Yeah. If you uh, Anyway, so for those that don't know, um, the movie is about... Uh, uh, Frank Sinatra uh, plays Danny Ocean and Dean Martin. They're war buddies. They decide to get the rest of their war buddies together, and they're going to knock out five casinos on New Year's Eve. Um, the reason I love this movie is, unlike the remake, things don't end well in this movie. Um, the, no, it, has a, it's a, it can be considered a downer. Um, the, the famous poster, if you went to college and they were doing poster sales, there's always that one shot of the rat pack where it kind of it leaves off bishop and lawford but it's for uh, it's sammy looking over this way and frank's looking this way that's a scene from oceans 11 it's the ending scene of oceans 11. uh the the high starts to go awry because they're doing it and they're so they all have military training they're all experts in different areas and their electrician drops dead of a heart attack on the las vegas the old school las vegas strip and Things just start to go sideways. Cesar Romero plays the detective that is, uh, actually, he's not a detective. That's a lie. He is a former mobster. It's been a while since I've seen it. I don't remember Cesar Romero. He is the guy that is, it's basically, he goes. That's Joaquin <laughs> Phoenix. Um, no one ever played the role before Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Haven't you see, read the reviews? I don't know. Heath Ledger's still getting voted as the best Joker. Haven't you written no, that? Obviously, Mark Hamill, uh, Cesar Romero. The best Joker's that guy that covered up his mustache with white paint. Thanks. See, this is what's funny yeah, about what, yeah, yeah. and everybody's going to go. That fat dumbass doesn't know that that's Cesar Romero. <laughs> um, took my hat off, kid. Okay, Cesar Romero plays the guy that's going to track him down. He's a former mobster, but he goes to the casino and goes, "Listen, I know the inside and outside of people who do these crimes. I'm going to track them down for you." And he actually ends up figuring it out by accident. So they decide to get to stash the money somewhere. Where do they stash the money? Well, they set $10,000 aside for their war buddy's widow that died of a heart attack during the heist. And they say, oh, they're going to ship his body back to San Francisco. No big deal. We'll put the money in with the body. When it's back out west, we'll dig him up, get our money. Heist is a success. The funeral home convinces his wife, uh, to cremate the body so that scene at the very end is when they realize they're like oh the body's being cremated and you see it being it's going on the conveyor belt and it cuts back to them and they realize they've done all this for nothing the wife still gets the ten thousand to take care of her so it's a good ending for her i guess but otherwise uh it's all for nothing no As, one remembers this movie because of the plot acting no, or anything else but it is important for a couple of reasons. One, for a social justice reason. This is actually the film that broke the unofficial segregation of Las Vegas hotels. 
because Sammy Davis Jr. couldn't stay in the hotels with the rest of the Rat Pack, and Frank Sinatra lost his temper and went down to the guy that ran the hotel they were all staying at and said, if you don't let my buddy stay here, I'm Frank Sinatra. Uh, <laughs> the other part about this is, so this would have been a film that also would have starred Steve McQueen, yeah. but Steve McQueen turned it down because um, – uh, his his friend told him that hey if you're in this movie you'll just end up being one of uh, one of Frank Sinatra's flunkies which by the way 99.9 percent of America would have lovingly signed up to be one of Frank Sinatra's flunkies. What? I'd like to be Frank Sinatra's oh, flunky. Yeah. I mean, not so much now. I don't want to go to the nether world and be his demon. <laughs> uh, it's got. Tons Am of I making assumptions about where Frank Sinatra ended up at? No, you're damn right. It's got tons of cameos. Shirley MacLaine, yeah. Andy Dickinson is, of course, the and she has a which cameo version of Shirley MacLaine? Um, which one do you need? Which past life? Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but it it has to. Uh, Red Skelton has damn cameos. Basically, if you were working in Vegas or you were friends with any of the Rat Pack, you've got a cameo in this film. I like it because the soundtrack's a lot of fun, as one would assume with the Rat Pack involved. Um, and I like the fact that it's not a, you know, glossy, high-end ending. It is a very much, oh, crap, now this was all for nothing ending. And I, I, to me, it is much more likely that my high, any heist I was involved in would go the original Ocean's Eleven route than any of the other movies that I'm going to talk about later. So you mentioned Ocean's Eleven. I went ahead and did it. So uh, to answer your question before James went on about a movie that a great a heist movie that could have been good but the the ensemble cast was absolutely terrible i had to look it up because i couldn't remember the name of it takers who's in it hayden christian anderson hayden hayden christensen sorry hayden christian did i just did i just add hans christian anderson (laughs) wrote a book you may remember called fargo oh my god uh chris brown Frey welly Chris Brown. I'm waiting for the good actors. Matt Dillon. No, I'm saying there's no good actors in it. It's That's a what he's saying. This is the example of a of a movie that could have been good. I thought you were going to give me an example of a, ca- a cast that didn't have chemistry. That didn't have. That's exactly what I'm giving you. They that would be any. it. Part two. Ooh. Ooh. That we'll get. We'll get. We'll do that in the best of episode that we're going to be doing. In a, the end of the year episode, right? Yeah. yeah. Um. No. I got, so, I got a couple things though. Do you want me to start? Sure. So this well, is James gonna, already started. Well, yeah. So this is going to be my pick for the one you're going. Oh shit! Why didn't I think of it? Yeah. Um. That's what screams up. This has actually been brought up at least tw- once, maybe twice in the 102 episodes that we've done. Oh yeah. God, he's and doing each, Children of Men. Nope. Each time we've gotten the title wrong because we couldn't remember the name of it off the top of our head. Disorganized crime. I didn't remember the ti- uh, title of Disorganized yeah, we, we, Crime. We screwed it up in the last episode we did. Uh, the thing question I have, is it yet available on DVD? Yes. <laughs> it's about damn time. It's on DVD, but you have to buy it in a triple set with um, John Cusack's Money for Nothing, or Take the Money and Run, or Money for Nothing, and another movie. Oh, uh, another stakeout, which was actually written and directed by the direct guy who directed. Uh, uh, so it's, it's, it's like kind of like a Castle Freak on DVD. You had to get it. Box with the prophecy, Castle Freak, and and yeah. two other movies. Yeah. But, okay. Yeah. Or um, and it's on it's on it's uh, the, another stakeout. Okay, so can I get that from Amazon? Yes. I'll have to do that this week. Um, it is written and directed by Jim Coff. Uh not New Orleans Jim Coff. Yeah. <laughs> 
Mr. Koff, feel free to come on the episode uh, next oh, episode but, and tell me where now, you actually a, live. Yeah. Now, as a director, Jim Koff, this is probably his best movie. What are the other ones? He didn't. He only directed five things. Mm -hmm. uh, his other two movies was gang related with Jim Belushi and Tupac, Tupac. and a movie called Miracles. The Kurt Russell one? No, this is like early. Oh. This is late 1970s. However, listen to how many movies he's written. Yeah, I'm saying now he did some first, uncredited rewrites. Let's start with the first movie the man written wrote, The Boogans. <laughs> <laughs> Stakeout, another stakeout. The hidden. Stakeout was a big hit. Yeah. The hidden is a is a is a cult classic. Yeah. It's directed by Jack Shoulder. The next is a the, the next is another classic cult classic, uh, Operation Dumbo Drop. <laughs> Rush Hour. James he wrote National Treasure. And I'd say which is in of its own way a a, a nice good movie. Yeah. Um, oh no, it's it, it's also partially historically wrong, but. It is, you got to give him credit. He helped write a screenplay where somebody went, I'm going to steal the Declaration of Independence. I, and I, I had a lot of fun watching it. Um, it, He also co-created the show Grimm. Okay. Um, it stars, let me talk about who stars in it. Fred Gwynn, the amazing Fred Gwynn. It was a great actor. Ed O'Neill. Yeah, another good actor. This is another guy, this is another actor who I don't think gets credit for the the roles that he did. Um, Lou Diamond Phillips. Well, yeah, Ruben Blades. Yeah, yeah, and he's also great in Predator too. And he's a, a talented musician that a lot of people don't realize. He he, he sings some oh, songs in Predator me, too with the Predator. Let, let me be somebody from the house. Is he any kin to that Ruben Blades? <laughs> For years, Chad and I called him Ruben Blades. Blades we didn't yeah. know. Chad's I, the one corrected me. Yeah, it's Ruben Blades. Uh, Corbin Burnson, Daniel Roebuck. Daniel Roebuck is a good character actor. And whom I've actually met. Yes. And he's a very nice guy. You, were, you, were you with me when we met him? I wasn't there. All Good right. friends and, with Hank Sears. And the late, great Hoyt Axton. Ah, Hoyt Axton. Never forget. Yeah. So, not to go too much into the plot, um, essentially what it is, it's, it's an hour. It's only an hour and 92 minutes. It's an that hour would be a long that would Oh, be I'm sorry. An hour. <laughs> it's an hour. Where and in the hell did you drive from tonight? Florida? Louisville. It's an hour and 32 minutes. What were you doing in Louisville? Uh, 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 trick or treating at the zoo. Oh, you didn't ask me to go. Hey, was that, would you tell me that I should eat at the zoo in Louisville? No. Oh, okay. Fuck it then. Uh, <laughs> must um, have made it up. <laughs> Um, I somebody, a damn garbage can. Somebody, I recommend you eat at the elephant enclosure. All the peanuts you could want. They just had some good looking sandwiches when I was there the other day. An hour thirty. So the movie's an hour and thirty two minutes of nonstop hilarity. Um, it's essentially about. Um, uh, I remember liking it, but is it nonstop hilarity? I and mean, who's the other character actor that's in that movie? The guy that falls in the shit all the time. I can never remember his name. Oh, uh, oh shit! I didn't write his name. I'm gonna try. His, you know, William Huss. William Huss. William Russ, Russ, right? William Russ. Russ. Everybody forgot him. He's an actual good actor. Yes. Um, if you saw him and you seen some stuff from the '80s, you know exactly who else. Yeah. Well, well and if, for some people, if you're a fan of Boy Meets World. Yeah, he's the yeah, dad. yeah, he's the dad, right? Yeah. Um, but essentially, it's about a a man who plots a who plots a a, a, a bank robbery. And he calls his crew in, and then he gets arrested. And it's all about the crew trying to figure out what's it's going Corbin on. It's Corbin Burnson, right? Corbin Burnson. It's the mastermind. Do you remember Corbin Burnson's name? 
in the movie? No, I don't remember anybody's name in the movie. Corbin Burks' character's name is Frank Salazar. Salazar? Now you say that's not that's not a name that would really fit Corbin Burtson. When the when uh, Jeff Koff wrote this movie, he wanted Edward James almost. <laughs> okay. This is and why he got Corbin Burtson. This is why he called the character Frank Salazar. However, Edward James almost had to back out, and the studio demanded Corbin Burtson. He's probably big on L.A. Law because of because of how big he was on L.A. Yeah, Law. Yeah. So, and a few years later, the dentist. <laughs> now, I don't know if this was true or not. I tried to find backup evidence of this, but um, Fred Gwynn's character—he plays. He's the he's the he's the explosive ex, He's the explosives expert. Um, I remember that. He um, several times throughout the movie, he actually has heart attacks. He has heart issues. Yeah. Um, in one of the scenes, he actually has a real heart attack. Really? Yes. So I didn't, I couldn't find, figure out a if that was true and b what scene it was. But there was one website that had it, so I'm just going with it. I'm sorry, I don't have actual evidence or sources. Let's dig his ass up. But uh, he got out a few days later and managed to finish the filming on schedule. Um, writer director Jim Koff actually made a deal with Disney CEO Jeff Katzenberg that he could make a movie on a five million dollar budget, and this was the film they agreed on after the success of Stakeout. Okay. Um, but not the success of another steakhouse. Yeah. <laughs> mm. uh, also, Where they had to had Rosie O'Donnell. Yeah. And uh, by the way, um, uh, disorganized crime takes place in a weird. You don't see a lot of movies about bank heists taking place in freaking Montana. Yeah. It was filmed um, in Missoula, Montana, right? Yes, and the reason it was filmed in Montana is because Jim Coff just recently bought a house there. Uh huh. So he could get the he could get the the money for cheap. He could get the property for cheap to film the movie because he only had five million. He only had five million. And he had a pretty big cast. Even in the eighties, that would have been a low budget film. Yeah, it was a really low budget film. Huh? And it was it was actually a somewhat success. Really? Yeah, it it, it made some money back. It wasn't a huge success. Okay. It was just one of those movies that did its business was enough to where it was a success. And then everyone's just, forgotten about. And then it. everyone's forgotten about it because it's and the, I. And if you, if you look up heist movie, that doesn't even come up. No, I you didn't have to you have to type in. I I, I knew I was going to bring it up, but I I was determined to figure out how to get this freaking movie to show up in Google. Yeah. So I had to type in '80s heist movies, and it was like number seven on the list. Oh, okay. Um, the only other thing I have to say about it, other than how amazing it is, uh, just because it, it's such a funny movie, and so much happens in an hour and night. They have three storylines going on, of. Because Corbin Burtson's trying to make it to them. Corbin Burtson's trying to make it back to his house yeah. after he escapes from the, the, the uh, from his um, uh, the, the, his captors played by Daniel Roebuck and Ed O'Neill. Ed O'Neill and Daniel Roebuck are trying to figure out they're tracking the four criminals, but they think they're tracking Salazar. And yeah. then the, it's all about the other four criminals planning this heist without Frank Salazar. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So it's all that's going on in 92 minutes, and it doesn't stop. It's just, it's really, and it has an ending that it just ends. Did you rewatch it? Yes, I rewatched it yesterday. How was it? It still holds up. Okay, good. I enjoyed it. <laughs> I have to buy it. Um, so that's my first pick, Disorganized Crime, because it's one of those, again, it's one of those movies that is really good that just disappeared out of the, in, into the ethos of Hollywood. I, I wanted to throw out one uh, quick thing. Um, ethos. 
I don't know uh, what uh, I want to throw out one quick thing up to head my notes that I think actually is relevant. Ocean's Eleven. Joe, do you know who did uncredited work on Ocean's Eleven that went on to write one or two other things? Billy Wilder. Billy Wilder. Yeah, Frank Sinatra funny. called him up and said, hey, would you do me a favor? Do some work on this script. Yeah. <laughs> and Billy Wilder went, sure. Uh, and it was directed by Lewis Milestone. And Lewis Milestone, uh, for those that go by awards and stuff, won two Academy Awards, one for All Quiet on the Western Front directing, and the other one, he had already won an Academy Award for that for two Arabian Nights, which nobody remembers, but a lot of people still know All Quiet on the Western Front. All right. Joe, what's your first I'm one? going back and forth between the one I want to pick the most, but I, I, I'm going to go with my heart, even though everyone's going to see this and know it. I'm going to go with Reservoir Dogs. Yep, that's... If you're thinking of a heist movie, it's... I, I know most people are going to know it, and I know it's a real simple one, and it's an easy one off the tongue. And I've got a couple more obscure ones here. By the way, do we have... Through. James, do you have any Tarantino movies on your list? I did not put Tarantino movies on my list. I also, by the way, should say I'm not bringing up The Sting because we've already talked about it. I know. I was like, oh, he's going to bring up The Sting. There's, the, no, there's a classic heist movie that I want... The one that I truly love that I didn't bring up because I brought it up previously. But... Which one? We'll, we'll wait till the end. Um, okay. But no, uh, Sorry. Jackie Brown. Yeah, Jackie Brown's a high R.I.P. Robert Forrester, who passed yeah, away last, yesterday. Yesterday at the age of 78 from brain cancer. Which I guess from now, it's two days ago by the time this airs. Probably. So six criminals with pseudonyms, Mr. White, Mr. Pink, Mr. Black, Mr. Blue, uh, Mr. Brown. Mr. Brown's Mr. Shit. <laughs> and each strangers to one another are hired to carry out a robbery. The heist is ambushed by police and the gang are forced to shoot their way out. And at their warehouse rendezvous, the survivors, realizing that they were set up, trying to find out who the traitor was in their midst. It goes forwards in time. It goes backwards in time. Everything that you would think about from a Tarantino movie, it was all set up right there. Right. Uh, some of the same cast, some of the same folks. Uh, <clears throat> now, I don't think this is right. I was looking at something, and it had Roger Avery as one of the writers, and that's not accurate. Roger Avery was one of the writers for Pulp, Pulp Fiction. Fiction. He has story credit on it, but he's not one of the writers for Reservoir Dogs. He won. He won. He won, he won the, the Academy Award. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let him uh, win the Academy Award with it. So, if you've not seen Reservoir Dogs, it probably means you're not a Tarantino fan, right? Don't you think? But yeah. I, you know, no even way if I'm not, going to convince you, Matt. Why? Even though I don't know. I mean, I think you still need to see it. Sorry, James, what? I think you still need to say, even if you're not Tarantino, if you well, don't like. No, but if you'll let me finish. Let me finish. Can you finish? finish? Let me finish. Let me finish. God. Admiral. Early 90s reference. It means you're probably a not a Tarantino fan, but I think the movie's important. And the movie's important for several different reasons, and this is what I want to talk about. Not so much. You probably, most of our listeners or viewers have seen it. Christy would say it's actually probably her favorite Tarantino film. It's the one that she loves the most. She prefers it over Pulp Fiction. I don't feel that way. Mm -mm. Although I love the movie. Mm -hmm. It's important for cinema at that time. Specifically independent cinema. Or what I call half-assed independent cinema. These were still distributed by Miramax. studios and small... Actually, this wasn't distributed by Miramax. Was Miramax was Pulp Fiction later. Um, it wasn't a live entertainment, but it was something close. I'll Google it and I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Google it and I will tell you. This movie was not a huge hit. Made money. Made a hell of a lot of money on video, but it wasn't a huge hit. No. What it gave Tarantino was a passport to the world. And he actually, I can't remember what filmmaker actually said, what this is going to do 
is allow you to be able to see the world. And it did because of film festivals and all the film festivals they got to go to. And he's talked about that, that this part in time, polygram? time in cinema, huh? Was it Polygram? It may be Polygram, I don't remember. But it wasn't Miramax. Actually, Pulp Fiction was going to be done for Columbia. And they put it in turnaround, and Miramax the one picked it up. Did you all production know that? Company, the production company was Polygram. Huh? The production company was Polygram. Polygram, yeah, it wasn't Miramax. So back to Pulp Fiction really quick. Uh, that's where he and Robert Rodriguez hung out. They were both on the lot writing scripts. Because hmm. uh, El Mariachi, uh, the sequel Desperado, was made for Columbia. Okay. And they, uh, he was going to, he actually wrote a Predator script for them way back in the day, huh. or for Fox, I should say. Anyway, doesn't move, matter, moving right along. It doesn't exist anymore. There are film festivals. There are a few big film festivals, but to get to go around the world and do your movie and sell it that way doesn't happen like this anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, it was a time where cinema was changing where you could do low budget features and still make some money and they didn't necessarily have to be horror. The nineties is what I call our punch drunk stage. And I'm not making a reference to the movie of I, we were all coming up in high school at the time in the nineties. It just was an odd little place. Right. Yeah. And grunge was big and it was just the right time. Very little action in reservoir dogs. And we were fine with that because of the dialogue. It was a new voice. It was a new time. Right. And so many people try to rip him off over the next three or four to 10 to still 20 years later. And trying they, can't to rip him. they can't do it because he has a singular voice. I don't know that I would ever think I would enjoy being friends with Quentin Tarantino. I may be wrong. I might be great friends with him. I don't think I would. Right. However, the man is a genius. Probably as close He's as we He's a shitty Elvis impersonator. Yeah, that's good. Have you ever seen that Golden Girls episode? I have not. I actually have. I actually have. Check it out on Hulu, folks. What'd you say? Check it out on Hulu. Yeah, you could, he, all he does is this. Does anybody remember? I've anyway, seen, I've seen the on. GIF. Yeah. So check out Reservoir Dogs if you haven't seen it. I think it's important. It's important for cinema at that time. It's important for where cinema was going. I, I, a lot of it, to my mind, it's not called that. I call it grunge cinema for the next few years. Check it out. Thanks so much. Later. Bye. Bye. <laughs> James, what's your pick? Uh, let me see. Which one do I want to go with? Uh, do I want to pick one oh, that's from the line to pick? Yeah, waste your time yeah. right here letting the audience. All right, I, you know what I you mentioned? Don't know. Will I have the Diet Coke or will I have the Diet Pepsi? Diet Coke. All, eat a bullet. Diet Pepsi shouldn't be a choice. You're not supposed to say that anymore. You're right. Diet Pepsi's a choice. <laughs> I, I, you know what? You mentioned Ocean's Thanks 8. Thanks for setting that up. You left me, you know, fuck oh, you. Man. No, screw no, it. No, 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 no. Whatever y'all are ready. Um, you, you mentioned Ocean's 8. I'm going to go one better. So F. Gary Gray has given Ocean's us a few. Ocean's 9? You have, uh, you, you, F. Gary Gray has given us a few heist films, including the remake of The Italian Job. But I'm actually going to bring up Seven Dolls. Waterfalls video, TLC. Never forget Left Eye. Yeah. Is she the one that died? Yes. Holy shit. How did I know that? I don't know. <laughs> I do like Waterfalls. You're, you like Seven Dolls. I like the song and looking at them. <laughs> uh, I, I wanted to bring up Set It Off. I think Set It Off's important. It was yeah. uh, a female. Off driven cast and all african-american female driven cast. nine million dollar production budget yeah made a ton of money and actually more importantly the soundtrack 
peaked at number four yeah on the charts it was the soundtrack was huge nine million dollars all african or, or not all but primarily female or the core four female african-americans yeah the, it looked at classism it looked at racism and it was still a heist movie basically there's four of them that are working for uh one of them was fired from a bank yeah and basically has the idea we should just start robbing banks. They start robbing a bank, and for a while, it looks like everything's going to go well. They end up eventually having to kill an old boss who stole money from them, and then by the end, bullets start flying everywhere. And it's also it was a smaller movie. If I'm not mistaken, look this up, and I don't know why I know this. It's Queen Latifah, right? Yes, Queen Latifah. I was on a hit series on Fox at the time. What was it called? Living Single. Living Single. Living Single. She made more per episode for Living Singles than she did to do this movie. Yeah. Do you know actually what the what? Why uh, I know that I have no idea. What some? Uh, what one of the highest cost of this film? What? was? They sample briefly the Godfather soundtrack. Oh. They paid more for the rights to use a sampling of the Godfather soundtrack, if I'm remembering this correctly. And it literally, it's like, oh, is that the Godfather's? And then it's over. And they paid more for that than the actors. That's where a lot of their production budget money went. Huh. Um, uh, what's funny is it was, they originally were going to get uh, Brandy, who was starring in Moesha at the time, was going to be cast. She turned it down. F. Gary Gray got the job as the director because Friday was a hit, and they yeah, just yeah. said they basically assigned him to this. That was that was his first ever movie, hmm? and then Friday, said, yeah. yeah. Uh, Kimberly Elise, who is the person that ended up cast, was and uh, was more or less discovered as a waitress when they couldn't get anybody else, and she has went on to be in episodes of uh, Grey's Anatomy, and and recently was in um, oh, what was the movie that she was just in? I don't know. Uh, hip film. Um, Dr. Dre made his film deb debut. John C. McGinley is in Dr. it. Dr. Dre had already been there because <laughs> Ed Lover could have all, all the donuts that he wants. Uh, is that before Set It Off? What did you say? What? Is that before Set It Off? Who's the man? Yes. Who's the man's for Set It Off? Not, yeah. But that's well, it, Dr. Dre. Yeah. Um, no. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, yeah, half the budget. That's what that was. I was looking. Half the budget was to pay for the Godfather thing. I don't nine million dollars. Four million dollars for that. Yeah, stupid. Because I don't even remember it being in the movie. You, you mentioned um, uh, the the TLC earlier. That was another casting thing they almost went with, as one can imagine. Yeah. Uh, Chili was going to be in it. Uh, she was interested. In it, did not get cast. Regina King tried to get cast but anyway it's a really interesting heist film that probably i think most of the time these heist films even if it's supposed to be showing oh these people really need the money they still come off as suave and cool and collected and and probably f gary gray gave us the best okay these people are down on their luck they're poor and things aren't going to go well for them but it does look at race class and and it's probably one of the best heist films to ever do that 1996, long before he did the remake of The Italian Job. F. Gary Gray set it off. If you haven't seen it, you really should. But most people know the soundtrack more than they do the movie now. And do we know, do we do either one of you know F. Gary Gray's next project? There's one now? Yeah, well, I guess he's currently working on it. I did, but I forgot. Mobile Army Strategic Command, Mask. otherwise known as Mask. Yeah. 
He just did one of the uh, the Tonka truck movies. Oh, did he? What's it called? I don't know. No, didn't he just direct? Ad Astra, by the way. Kimberly Elise is in Ad Astra. He so. just directed um, one of the Fast and Furious movies. The oh, uh, actually, he directed the one that's considered um, the, the highest grossing one. The Fate of the Furious is... What F- is the Fate of the Furious? I don't know. I have no idea. I haven't watched I it. I haven't watched it. Go ahead, Jad. 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 So I'm going to bring up, in my yes. opinion, in my opinion, in terms of entertainment value. Yes. Spike Lee's most entertaining movie, Inside Man. I, thir- uh, I thoroughly enjoy Inside Man. I Can I tell you a secret? Yeah, go ahead. I have a thing for, for Kim Director. Director. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know who that is, James? No. James, while we talk, please Google, please look up Kim, Kim Director. Because she is right up Chad and Joe's alley. <laughs> she's also in a little movie that I've defended many times, and not because she's in it, but I truly feel Book of Shadows, Book of the Shadows. sequel to The Blair Witch is an underrated film. I was going to break up Kim Director and ask you to look. Oh, she's in, she's in The Deuce. Yes. Oh, is she in The Deuce? Yeah, she's in The Deuce. Does she get... Uh, <laughs> I, don't I don't know, but I need to see this show called Little America, which is in post-production right now. Do you know what her character's name is in Little America? No. By the way, you're right. She's not hard on that. I'm not no, making this up. She's beautiful. Look oh. this up later. In Little America, the upcoming TV series, a series her character's name is Boobs. B-O-O-B-Z. <laughs> Look it up. I'm not making this up. Uh, which, which, by the way, um, we're joking, but Kim Director's Cleavage does make a, is a pivotal plot point. Not a pivotal, but it is an interesting plot point inside the movie Inside Man. So, Kim Director, check her out. Yeah, anyway. Yeah, I'm a fan. So, directed by Spike Lee, starring Denzel Washington, Clive Owen, Jodie Foster, Christopher, Christopher Plummer, William Defoe and uh, I'm gonna oh I meant to I'm gonna butcher his name Shewetel Ejafor Chewy 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 his Sorry. friends call him Chewy. Um, it was written by Russell Gerwitz. Uh, Russell Gerwitz wrote this and Righteous Kill and that's it. Oh my God, Righteous Kill is a terrible movie. I couldn't get through it. It's a terrible movie. Yeah. Um, but no. So what it is? It's a good title. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, what it is. Uh, Inside Man is a movie that uh, about these group of robbers who ro- who uh, hold a bank, rob a bank, and hold it hostage, and it's all about the hostage negotiator, played by Denzel Washington yeah. and his partner, trying to convince him to give up the hostages. It plays for two hours. It's just nonstop. It's his most accessible movie. Yes, I would agree with that. It's yes. his most. Because my two favorite Spike Lee films are Do the Right Thing, of course, and Clockers. Do you know Do you know uh, who was That's originally fine. going to direct that, Chad? I'm sorry? Do you know who was originally going to direct it? it Clockers was or Inside Man? Inside uh, Man. Clockers was going to be a Martin Scorsese. I, I, I didn't have it down, but tell me, remind me. Ron Howard. Do you know why Ron Howard didn't? Because well, of Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe brought him the script to a film called Cinderella Man, and Ron Howard opted to do Cinderella That's Man. That's right. I'm sorry. I didn't write that down. Um, I, I, I like Cinderella Man. It's, it's, uh, you I know, like but I think, I, I, Chad's probably right. It's his most accessible film. Entertain, yeah. 
Um, the movie is great because it mixes an intense cast and an uh, intense, sorry, intense cat and mouse game between Washington and Owen. Yeah. With a legal battle, with a legal battle being put forth by Fort Foster and Plummer. Um, one of the cooler elements is the many side stories that occur throughout the movie. This is one of the cool things I loved about it. Uh, you know, this includes the Albanian with the parking tickets. It's been a long time since I've seen it. Man. it the interactions between Washington uh, and the beat cops, because there, there's several, and it's, it it honestly doesn't play to the movie it just happens it's kind of just playing along like if this situation was occurring this is all the stuff that would be happening yeah. um and the old man talking about stealing money from his grandmother's purse when they're interrogating i don't remember any of oh, it they're, they're, i'm sitting here going kim director that's what i remember yeah. from <laughs> i mean i remember who directed i forgot clive owen was in it I oh, clive never, owen's so great in it i i saw it when it came out oh god i've watched it so many times the two biggest you, uh, complaints about this movie that I read was that there were too many subplots. I disagree. Um, I disagree. I do. This it pissed me off whenever, whenever, when out when you when I was doing research and I kept reading reviews about it. And the biggest complaint was the subplots. The many interweaving plots is what made this movie so entertaining. It kept you constantly on the edge of your seat. You didn't know where it was going to go. I mean, it was just you would be you would be enthralled on one thing, and then another thing would happen. Yeah. Um, it was great. Um, the second was that this movie was too much of a throwback to previous heist movies. Again, this is where I disagree because Spike took his own take on a forgotten genre at that time. There wasn't a lot going on in heist movies, and yeah. he made it his own by yeah. just putting that little Spike Lee yeah. joint. joint to it. Um, one of the, the coolest thing I know just about the actual making of the movie, um, there are several um, scenes where it cuts back and forth to uh, Denzel and Ejafor in the interrogation room yeah. talking to the 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 people who were taken hostage every single one of those was ad-libbed okay. they were all ad-libbed which is great and you can and because it really does when you're watching those it does kind of feel like these people are just talking it doesn't feel scripted and that is why hmm. spike lee just put them in a move put them in a room and said this is what we're going to talk about and then let them go so inside man i feel in terms of spike lee movies it doesn't get the respect that it deserves. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's it's it, it it's a good movie that you can take and uh, uh, you know it's a good way to introduce your kids to homages and stuff. Because what I like to do is set my kids down uh, and and uh, let them watch Zootopia. Yeah. Uh, and then I let them watch Inside Man. And see, see, Zootopia has an homage to, and then Child Services shows up. And now it's my turn. <laughs> my, my next one, and it was up, and it's interesting because Chad sent me a about the director of this movie. Chad sent me a. Uh, he sent me uh, one of the podcasts that he's listening to, and he's turned me on to as well. Is oh, I meant, and James, I meant to send you the link to this, and I forgot. I apologize, but go ahead, Joe. Is uh, I completely forgot Gilbert Godfrey's name. Gilbert Godfrey's amazing podcast, amazing colossal podcast, amazing colossal. Who's the guy that co-hosts it with him? Oh, Frank Welker. No, so he and Frank Welker do a lot of different voices. Say, Frank Sandra Padre. So it is a really good podcast. I recommend it. Turn us off and just go ahead and turn them on. They're much better. Because by the way, and real quick, because you think you're going to hear, oh, it's just Gilbert Godfrey being Gilbert Godfrey. No, no it's actually about the history of Hollywood in film and television making. And Gilbert Godfrey is a cinephile. Yes. Yeah, he, he's like us. He's like us. And his co-host, Frank. Except he's successful and well-known. Yeah, basically, and with an annoying voice. So, 
So he's like a. <laughs> and they talk a lot about Milton Berle's schlong. Yeah. It's a great podcast. Check it out specifically if you're into movies. They had Treat Williams on there talking about this director. And it, it's just kind of apropos that when I, I, I couldn't remember, I lost my list because we were supposed to do this three weeks ago, four weeks ago. Yeah. I'd done four pages of research. I only have two and a half this time. I knew I had three or four pages. And I, I still went back to this movie. It's one of my favorite films made by this director. His name was Sidney Poitier. Sidney Lumet? Sidney Lumet. I almost said Sidney Poitier. <laughs> How many fucking Sidneys do I know? I know. <laughs> oh, my God. They all directed, too. Anyway. And they all started out as actors. Yeah. Holy shit. Anyway. Sidney Lumet was a fantastic, and he wrote one of the, and it came up on another podcast I was listening to. After that, I went to the James Burroughs ones. Okay. James Burroughs is a famous te television I haven't director. finished that one yet. It's really good. He directed a lot of Taxi, directed most of Cheers, directed most of Frank. Anyway, keep going, keep going, keep going. He directed it. And he was talking about uh, Sidney Lumet's book on directing, one being one of the best. It's right over there on the shelf you both should read it it's fantastic it's, uh -huh. very, it's practical it's thin and it gets right to the point which is Sidney Lumet which would be Sidney Lumet and his movies so if you don't know who he is he directed some of my favorite films but one of the best ones is Dog Day Afternoon with Al Pacino what is great about Dog Day Afternoon is if you don't know anything about the story it, you just don't know where it's going you don't you think oh these guys are just holding up the bank trying to steal some money and by God, it goes a little place, a little different. And here's what I love about it. It's based on a true story. Yeah, but that story is actually, again, like with most movie uh, cinematic biopics, it is not that. It is something no, completely different. But a guy hijacked someplace yes. to pay for the reconstructive surgery of his boyfriend to become a woman. Yep. Sorry to give away that point. Once again, we were talking about, what, what do all these things have in common, Chad? Uh, oh, an movies, ensemble cast. Ensemble cast. We have John Cazale, Cazale, who would later die. He was in The Deer Hunter. He was the Godfather 1, Godfather 2, played played uh, Fredo. He's a great actor. We lost Should we recreate Godfather 2 right now? Uh, mm. da, 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 da. What? Al Pacino. And we have Charles Durning as the cop. Check it out. Oh, hey, Chris Sarandon. I was about to say, who plays his lover? Chris Sarandon. Chris Sarandon, that's right. Friday Night's Chris Sarandon. <laughs> Child plays Chris Sarandon. The Princess Bride's Chris Sarandon plays the gay lover. Continue, cover. Never mind. Yeah, I can keep going if yeah, you yeah. want. You want me to keep going? No. Yeah, all right, no, all right. No, no, no. Basically, what it is, is these guys hold up a bank, right? Yep. All right. Attica. When an experienced criminal leads a bank robbery in Brooklyn, things go quickly wrong and a hostage situation develops. Him and his co-complice try to definitely remain in control. A media circus develops, and the FBI arrives, creating even more tension. All right, that's it. That's the plot. And then you find out as it goes, what is his surprising motivations? What is great, it did win the Oscar for Best Original Screenplay. What is great, even though that makes no sense, because it was based on the book by P.F. Klug and Thomas More. The fantastic thing about Sidney Lumet is that he never made a bad, bad movie. He made some films that I might find slightly uninteresting, but there's not a bad one. I haven't seen the Sharon Stone one, so it's, I can't. That's the closest one okay. to being bad. Okay. I gotta be honest. And that, one, that was like his one of his last movies, too. So. No, his last movie is the Before the Devil Knows You're Dead, and that uh, makes a great, that's got like 10 fine performances yeah, in yeah. them. Um, and and a lot of topless Marissa Tomei. Oh, but that Unfortunately, one. she's having sex with 
Uh, uh, the dead actor, heroin, the chubby guy, Mission Impossible Three villain, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Philip Seymour Hoffman. Oh. <laughs> Philip. The unbelievable part of that is that yeah. she would be having sex with Philip Seymour Hoffman. So, by the way, do you think Jim Gaffigan is slowly becoming Philip Seymour Hoffman? Well, Discuss. He's not quite the actor, but he's funnier, probably. Uh, well, I mean, I don't know. I never got to hang out really with Philip Seymour Hoffman. Gaffigan all that funny, but there you go. Anyway, really, check out. You think he's funnier than than Philip Seymour Hoffman? Have you not seen My Boyfriend's Back? No. I mean, I've seen it, but it's been a while. <laughs> no. Okay. Continue. Unequivocally, no. Continue. No. No. I can tell you who produced it, but no. No. Continue. No. All right. Check it out. That's all I'm going to say about it. And by the way, if you're going through a Sydney Lumet catalog, give me a call. We'll go through and help you out. Yeah. We'll check out Serpico. What is the Sharon Stone movie called? It starts with a C. It's her name, right? Yeah, it's not Carolyn or something no. like that. I'm going to look it up because this is only really bad movie. It's not good. It's not good. Even the ones, though, that aren't good are still interesting. Anyway, you're saying, James, what's your next one? Oh, it's me. Joe, I'm going to talk about one of my favorite facts. I've, By the I, way, the fact I, that we haven't brought up one movie yet, because uh, anyway, go ahead. Are well, we, I keep dancing around because I've got a list, of course, but there's one I, I didn't I do it because I thought you were doing no, it. No, I told you I wasn't going to do it. I told you to go ahead and do it. But I told you I wasn't. By the way, it's Gloria. Yeah, that's what it says. Gloria. Gloria. No, I didn't do it. She I has a terrible I'll... accent in that film. And then uh, his next major motion picture after Gloria, Find Me Guilty. Which is one of the best underrated films that no one's ever seen. Exactly. James. That we've um, all the time. That, I, man. What this is a movie that I actually watch at least once a year because I, I I remember watching it when it first came out on VHS. I loved it then, uh, uh, and and I want to I want to bring it up now, Joe. You're going to know the director of this from uh, your favorite film by him, Swept Away. Um, <laughs> really? But, She's but, bringing this one up. I didn't. Oh, uh, I, I figured I, you'd bring up this. I've got to bring up Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Girls. Oh, okay. I'll, uh, I'll bring up the other one. <laughs> I, that's because I, I I figured one of some I figured y'all would be more likely to bring up the other one. I love Lock, Stock, and Two. Smoking I Girls. like them, but Vinny, I don't have an attachment to them, and I never go back and watch. Them. Oh, I've watched. Oh, I've watched I, I, I rewatched them again actually this year, and I actually noticed stuff this year. I've probably seen them ten, twelve times. What's it now. like to um, what's it like to peak in your twenties? Asked him. Asked I asked him and Orson Welles. No, see, here's what I'm going to say about here's what I'm going to say about Guy Ritchie. I think Guy Ritchie's downfall. People started giving him a budget. I, well, I, I, now his next movie. Have you heard the plot to his next movie, no. The Gentleman? Oh, I'm excited for The Gentleman. Here's the plot: one sentence plot. A very British drug lord tries to sell off his highly profitable empire to a dynasty of Oklahoma billionaires, starring Matthew McConaughey uh, and Charlie Hun Hunnam. Hunnam. I whom I do not understand why people think he's talented. Uh, Jeremy Strong, Hugh Grant, Jason Wong, and uh, a couple other people. In it. And I'm like, Monkeys, uh, Brewsters, Jason Wong. I am excited for that one. Anyway, um, hopefully it's going back to that. That being said, I also watch any of Guy Ritchie's Sherlock Holmes films. I enjoy them. Oh. Um, uh, and by the way, his, his Aladdin film made Disney a little bit of money. And they're talking yeah, he about needed to make up some money because did you see his other movies like King Arthur or The Man from Uncle? Swept away. Um, Actually, The Man from Uncle is not a bad movie. It's just kind of boring. Yeah, it's boring. King Arthur. King Arthur's a terrible movie. That's bad. Uh, you, 
I, I haven't seen that one. I, I saw the King Arthur with that other, the slower version of King Arthur, which was probably historically accurate, but not as in. Yeah. Not a lot of fun. No, it, uh, anyway, um, Lost Times Two Smoking Barrels. If you've not seen it, it gave the world, it introduced the world to a Jason Statham, uh, which is why some people remember it. I like to remember it as the film that gave us Vinnie Jones. Um, and there's an interesting piece of trivia about that. I didn't know this till actually I was doing research on it. Vinnie Jones, they almost thought they might have to recast because he was in jail when they started filming. He got out that day. Really? What he had beat for? up his neighbor. <laughs> and if you don't know anything about Vinnie Jones, go back and just look on YouTube, search Vinnie Jones football. He was yeah. a soccer player. He he was well known. You could argue he was a Charles Barkley, I guess, if you wanted a basketball comparison. But when he didn't like the call, he was known to basically grab whoever offended him, even if it was a referee, by the groin and jerk downward. Um, he got fined several times for doing that. But anyway, uh, the, the plot to uh, Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, there, it's kind of, uh, it is an ensemble cast, and you jump between different stories. You have the drug dealers. You have um, the guy that runs the sex shop. You have all this stuff. But it's basically four friends. Uh, one of them is a card shark-esque type character. He gets tricked into betting a lot of money that he doesn't really have. Uh, I think it's 50,000 pounds. And he has so long to pay it back. Vinnie Jones plays the enforcer that's going to make sure he pays it back. Big Chris. He's called Big Chris because he takes his son with him on collection, little Chris. Um, and it's just all these ensemble things. Everything that can go wrong does for everybody. Uh, and it just—it's a lot of fun to watch. And Chad, who produced that movie? Uh, Matthew Vaughn. Matthew Vaughn. Matthew Vaughn would go on to do what? Nothing. The best X-Men film, first yeah. class. Oh yeah, the best X-Men film, Kingsman. Well, one good Kingsman movie. The second one's kind of. Eh. I kind of liked it. Layer Cake. Layer but Cake. Let's not forget Layer Cake. It's—it's yeah. it's another one of those forgotten movies that nobody really talks about. Yeah. Um, and and so much of this movie actually did come up. So many memorable scenes in this movie came about by accident because a lot of the actors, I think 17 out of the 44 actors had never acted before. They were just cast because they were available and he didn't have a lot of money. But one of the famous scenes in it that a lot of people assume was in the script. It, the biggest name in that movie is Sting, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. And, and you know why Sting did it? Sting liked his... Cameo. Yeah, it's all it is, yeah. Well, and Sting agreed to do it because he liked the short film, Hard Case, that Guy Ritchie had done before that got Guy Ritchie some attention. And the reason Sting liked it was he said he has movies that are filled with violence that you never see. And he goes, I hate graphic violence, but I love the idea of violence being out there. That being said, one of the famous scenes, Nick the Greek is in a meeting with uh, Hard Case Harry. Uh, and he, he sets down, he's supposed to set his glass down on the table, and it's a glass table, and the table breaks underneath it. That was not in the script. It was an accident. And that actual look of shock on his face when he does it, and Guy Ritchie just, no, we're keeping it. We're going to keep doing it because that would be the ultimate bad ending to a bad meeting. We're going to roll with it. Um, it is It is just, for me, it's a lot of fun to watch. Uh, I mean, it's not one you should show to small children. Um, but I, I, every time it's on, or I, I, matter of fact, actually, last time, I think it was on Netflix or Hulu. I literally was just surfing for something to put on in the background. I put it on and ended up not getting work done because I ended up watching it. has a uh, pretty good body count in it, too, for a small film. What's your next one? I'm going to – I've got one more to talk about after this, but because he brought up Lockstock, I'm going to go ahead and mention his follow-up to Lockstock. 
and this is a movie that I actually do try to watch once a year as well. Snatch. <clears throat> Snatched. Snatch. What? No. <laughs> you know what? What's funny about that? Both these movies, and I, I, I think this is, is that in both movies you have a character that most people can't understand. Well, no. So let's talk about that. So Brad Pitt stars in this movie mm-hmm. as um, the gypsy, as Mickey the gypsy. Yeah. <laughs> so. His accent was so hard to understand because Guy Ritchie was inspired because of the critics' complaints about Lockstock because they could not understand the dialogue in that movie. So he responded by creating a character who could not un- be understood by the audience or the actual characters in the movie. Yeah. So that was the whole reason. Also, the reason Brad so Brad Pitt got this role because he loved Lockstock and Two Smoking Barrels so much that he pleaded with Guy Ritchie to put him in the movie. Yeah. So Guy Ritchie gave him his request, but he could not master a London accent, so that's why he's Mickey, Mickey the Gypsy because he could just do that. <laughs> well, I was about to say, and, and it, so in, in uh, Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, it's it's uh, is this Charles, I believe, is the actor, and he speaks um, largely in Cockney. Yeah, and the few times you can understand him, he has some of the best lines. I'm going to edit it the way I normally say it when I rarely get to use this line of, "If the milk turns sour, I'm not the type of cat to drink it." That's one of the rare times you can understand him. But in the scene where he's at the bar, and they're t- uh, and the bartender is telling the story about him, where he speaks entirely in Cockney, and he does that. He ordered the most ping pong table, and he does the entire thing in pure Cockney. Uh, it's it's one of my favorite scenes because it has a translation at the bottom of the screen. So yeah, no fun with language in both those movies. Yeah. So, um, but just real quick, snatch the plot is um, there's a diamond that's stolen. And people are trying to obtain that diamond at the same time. Um, Jason Statham and um, Andy Beckwith uh, do an illegal boxing, and they they get in over their head, yeah. and then they have to uh, do uh, favors for a monster named Bricktop. Yeah. Uh, but it's funny that James brought this up about Lockstock, but Vinny uh, Vinny Jones, who plays Bullet Tooth Tony. There was one scene uh, when Vinny and Saul are sitting outside Bricktop's bookies and they're about to give him the diamond. The man that approaches the car is not really Bullet Tooth Tony. It is a stu- it is a lookalike because Vinny Jones was in jail again for a fight that happened the day before. <laughs> again. Again. <laughs> Poor Vinny. Um, just so we can move on because we've talked about Guy Ritchie. He does, he has two really good movies and that's about it. I enjoyed Aladdin with my kids. I didn't see it. I, didn't I don't want it. to see it. I don't, I'll yeah. eventually see it, I'm sure. I, I, the, the thing that he did with Aladdin, and just real quick, the thing that he did with Aladdin was he made it a, um, I just blanked on the term, uh, uh, film from India. Bollywood. Bollywood. He made a Bollywood film. I mean, it ends with a dance scene. It is, he took, he made it a global film instead of just an American animation. Yeah, there was another director who did that and probably did it better. Slumdog Millionaire. Ah, oh, I saw Slumdog Millionaire. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the Danny Boyle. Danny Boyle, thank you. You know, he's the Danny Boyle. Danny Boyle. Yeah. <laughs> James, do you know who originally Bricktop was supposed to be played by? No. Danny Boyle. Sean Connery. Anybody want to guess why Sean Connery isn't money? Oh, you're dead on, Joe Lewis. You know how I know? Because I know Sean Connery. Connery liked the script, 
and was curious to see Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. So producer Matthew Vaughn hastily arranged a screening for him to, at extreme short notice. Connor, Connor, Connery turned up, watched the film, and then emerged with this. That is a good film. You're not going to be able to afford me. <laughs> <laughs> Which By is the way, um, but both these movies have, are, have so many quotable scenes, and, and one of my favorites from Snatch is, do you have anything to declare? Yes, <laughs> Stay, get the fuck out of London, or don't yeah, go to fucking yeah. London. Yeah, yeah, way, I love that line. I love my, that exchange. My, my last, my last, and I'll let you go on. Oh, your, that's the great uh, Chicago. Dennis Farina. Dennis Farina, who just passed away a couple of years ago, is a great line, and I forgot about it. By the way, uh, this is my last thing about Snatch. The word fuck is said 163 times. Yeah, it's right up there with any given Sunday. Check out episode 102 of <laughs> Films where I talk about any given Sunday for 45 minutes. So, yeah, no, uh, we talked about Guy Ritchie enough, but Jay, Joe, what's uh, your next pick? I thought you'd have one. Well, I'll, you want me to go into my next pick? Uh, yeah, I mean, I've got tons. Okay, I so this shit for hours. So, we mentioned Ocean's Eleven. Yeah. But I want to talk about Steven Soderbergh's first collaboration with George Clooney. Yeah. Out of Sight. That's actually one of my honorable mentions. I love Out of Sight. It's a good movie. It is a great movie. I like the follow-up Out of Mind, but nobody remembers it. What? What? I said, I like the follow-up Out of Mind, but nobody remembers it. See, the joke being that there's yeah, not there's a follow-up. Yeah, there's not a joke there. Out. Jennifer Lopez is really good in that. Yeah, she really is. Um, Jennifer. It's one of those where they tailor a role to somebody. Yeah. And George Clooney's really good in that. Written by Frank Spate, Scott yeah. Frank, based on a book by Elmore Leonard. Stars George Clooney, Jennifer Lopez, Ving Rhames, John Cheadle, Steve Zahn, Luis Guzman, the great Luis Guzman, Dennis Farina, yeah. and Albert Brooks. And Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton, who, who reprised his role for uh, Jackie Brown. Jackie Brown. Totally different movie, totally yeah. different thing. Same guy playing the same role. Yeah. Uh, did you know that this was not a success? I watched it in the theater when it came out. It's, it wasn't a success. George Clooney didn't have a successful movie until Ocean's Eleven. Or Batman, no, I'm sorry, Batman and Robin. Batman and Robin, Ocean's Eleven. He didn't have a huge Ooh. movie to Batman and Robin? Right, financially successful. I, this, I'd have to look up the box office from Dust Till Dawn. Yeah. I don't think it was a, those weren't bombs. They weren't bombs, but um, this is one of George Clooney's favorite films on his resume. Uh, it was the first time where I had to say, and it was the first good screenplay I'd read where I just went, that's it. Even though it didn't do very well box office-wise, we sort of tanked again. It was a really good film. It is a pretty good movie. Um, essentially, it's got a lot of dark humor, good dark humor. Oh, yeah, good dark humor. So essentially what it is, by the way, uh, I didn't did – I, I said Steve's on. Um, the movie is about a man who is released out of prison. Yeah. And he is basically planning a heist of a, of a rich man, uh, rich man's house who there is a secret stash of diamonds. That's all I'll say. Yep. Um, Steven Soderbergh saw this film as a conscious decision on his part to climb out of the art house ghetto. He had to do a film like this because all because uh, half the business was still off limits to him, which yep. is the main reason he did Out of Sight. And he did it with gusto. Hmm. Um, Elmore Leonard. God, I can't believe I forgot this in there too. Uh, he really didn't see George Clooney in that role. He envisioned Jack Nicholson or Sean Connery. But you can kind of see. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I, uh, 10, year, 10 and 20 years beforehand. Um, Entertainment Weekly in 2008 ranked this as the number one in their list of sexiest movies ever. It's one. It's a pretty sexy movie. Yeah. Um, 
She even has that great line, you really wear that suit. Yep. Yep. Um, all the characters in this movie are well-rounded and perfectly cast, in my opinion. Uh, the movie is more character-driven than plot-driven. Um, there is yeah. a plot about the criminals planning to rob a wealthy man of priceless diamonds. However, the movie mainly focuses on the dynamic relationships between the characters with the actual heist taking a back seat. Yeah, and Steven Soderbergh's made no movies about heists. None whatsoever. None. Out of sight, and that's it. That was it. He was like, I'm done with this shit. <laughs> um, this is, a, this is a, to quote a, a review from Emmanuel Levy in Variety. Scripter Scott Frank, who also adapted Get Shorty and Soderbergh, understand that Leonard's forte lies in his sharp, non-judgmental characterization and authentic lingo of lowlifes who are nonetheless immensely appealing. With apparent ease and subtle humor, they've made a film of many priceless scenes. So, uh, yeah, I just really love Out of Sight because the, all the characters just come together and it's just constant like this. And there's so many of, again, it's one of these movies where there's a hundred subplots going on simultaneously and they all connect at the end in a house and you, the ending just completely takes you by surprise. One other thing about this, Samuel L. Jackson uh, has a brief cameo, did it for free. Really? Didn't care. He, lo he just loved that part. He said he did it for free. Huh. All right, here's mine, and this one is one that is not uns it, it does have a great cast. And I'm assuming after James does his last pick, we're going to talk about the one that Yeah, yeah, we need to talk yeah, about yeah. the one that we did. Because I have a ton of ones on here. We're not going to go through them all. Yeah. But the one I want to talk about is Thief with James Caan, directed by Michael Mann. Oh, okay. I've actually never seen it. Thief, it, I'm going to be the only this... one. I'm going to be the only bonehead who throws out a movie that has a a... Uh, a, a, the music is by Tangerine Dream. The <laughs> hell? Tangerine Dream, man. Look it up. Google that shit. A highly skilled jewel, jewel thief played. I'm glad, you, I'm glad you, re you, you corrected that. Why stutter. would he be a Jew thief? <laughs> anyway, longs to leave his dangerous trade and settle down with his girlfriend, Jesse, played by the beautiful Tuesday Weld. Eager to make one last big score in order to begin a living, legitimate life, Frank reluctantly associates with Leo played by the great character actor Robert Prosky. If you don't know who he is, you'll remember him as the guy over the, if you're a horror fan, if, and Christine, he's the one who runs the garage, who lets him park his car there so he can fix it. Okay. If you're a comedy fan, he's the one that runs the resort in the great outdoors. Okay. That's Robert Prosky. Okay. Great character actor. Totally different, three different roles. Yeah. Wouldn't even know it. Powerful gangster. Fortunately for Frank, Leo wants to keep him in his, in his employ, resulting in a tense showdown where he finally tries to give up his criminal activities. Now, this is what I call the Michael Mann cliche bullshit plot, right? Most Michael Mann films, this is the same we've seen, we've talked about he, uh, several other ones I could talk about, they have kind of a cliche basic plot. It's the execution of it, the reason why we remember Michael Mann films. And this may very well be one of James Conn's best roles. To me, James Conn's two best roles are this and Misery, which is funny because he's been the Misery in the bed. Was tons of people, by the way, turned down that role because nobody wanted to lay in the bed. Yeah. The, the part was for Kathy Bates. Yeah. There's tons of leading men in Hollywood who would not take that role. Check it out. It's Thief. Tangerine Dream is very much 80s. Several of Michael Mann's films are very much 80s. You got to remember... Not only did he direct this, Manhunter, the, that which is the first Hannibal Lecter film, for people who don't know, it's based on Red Dragon. That was the first time with William Peterson. He also created a little show called 
Miami Vice, and it don't get much more. <laughs> almost, 80s. Said, almost said Miami Heat. He also created that as well. It doesn't get much more eighties than that. Uh, it also has a great role. One of Willie Nelson's finest performances. He plays his friend who's in prison. Yeah, Willie Nelson. Check wow. it out, thief, thief, coming to a theater near you in nineteen eighty one. Tangerine Dream did the music. Hmm. Hmm. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. Now, let's talk about that last one, shall we? Because I could talk about it for an hour and a half. Well, James, do you have another pick that you want to talk about? I've got to mention one one last one because it's probably my son's favorite heist film. Okay, this isn't going to be the one we're going to talk about. Go ahead. Um, It's it's much like a lot of heist films are. You have an ex-con. Uh, and who, you know, it may be trying to go straight, but is trying to figure out their way back in the world. They get pulled back in, and then they have to go on one last mission and all of this stuff. It's just that in this film, he shrinks. Ant-Man. Ant-Man, yeah. Ant-Man was on a lot of lists, and I honestly thought about putting Ant-Man on there, but I didn't. Ant-Man, I think is, you know, it's most people automatically do a comic book film. Mm-hmm. But I think Ant-Man is is a pretty solid heist film. And I think, to be honest, the reason it's that much easier to consider it a heist film is all because of Michael Pena. Yep. Yeah. Um, just his character and the way he lures him back in. Plus, the, just the way that that character has to be one of the most fun characters in, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah. Uh, but if you've not seen Ant-Man, see it. Uh, it's it, I think the reason it works really well is it does play with a lot of heist I guess cliches of you know he's out he has a daughter he wants to same do bullshit his daughter same plot, but I I agree it works and but it, 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 part three how it, come uh, Ant Man one and Ant Man two did not produce uh, it, it didn't hit a billion dollars it didn't hit a billion dollars like the other all the other Marvel movies oddly enough I just started watching part two this afternoon with Quint and oh. I actually sat there and ate my burrito <laughs> notice how I said my, my burrito. burrito mine and his mother's. Uh, he he would go back and forth taking bites <laughs> as we were watching it. We just started. Well, he got really into it. Yeah, I, I agree with you, James. I think Ant Man's a good high yeah. film. And the it's, other one that I don't think people talk about because it's new, and I did leave it off, but it's on a lot of top ten lists. Baby Driver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is but also I, I, plot. I, I think about the Haas films, like, to be honest, I, probably the one of the reasons I do have such a soft spot for The Sting is it was the first Haas film I was allowed to watch. Yeah. Because there's nothing in it. All right. Let's talk about the one that we didn't talk about, James. You ready? I want to know if you're going to do one of my honorable mentions. So you rock on. This is not an honorable mention. It was a Mount and Joe's on top of our list. And we, I guess there was a miscommunication. I just told you you could take it. And I told you I didn't want it because I was going to, I wanted to bring up, I wanted to bring up uh, uh, Disorganized Crime. All right. Well, if, if you take what's going to be one of my honorable mentions, because I was going to see if y'all could guess my honorable mention just by naming the cast. But you all rock on, and we'll see if you do. A fish called Wanda. Wanda. That's fish not my honorable mention, but it was it was one of my honorable mentions. A fish but, called Wanda is one of the best heist films ever made. Period. It's also one of my favorite comedies ever made. Yes. Period. It, it, it's <laughs> written by John Cleese. I actually can't remember the director's name. He was an old, angry Go British ahead. dude. I'll look it up. Who, who basically, uh, John Cleese, after did several Brit business ventures after after being done with Python, and one of them was doing industrial films or training films. Did you know this? No, I didn't know this. This is one of his businesses. In fact, you can Google some of the industrial training films that he did, huh. and they would be funny, like HR trainings and things like that. And it was he used humor. 
and the guy directed a lot of the Charles video. Critton. Charles Critton. And I think there was a second director who did the pickup sheets because they rewrote the ending. It's uh, they, John Cleese is written as the other second director. Yeah, they changed the ending. So because Fierce Creatures has two different directors too because they reshot like a third of that movie. Man, I like that movie. I hate that John Cleese does it. Yeah, I like Fierce Creatures too, but I watched it again a while back and it, it isn't as funny. Really? I enjoyed scenes. I st- I've still laughed to this day. <laughs> I, I like parts of it, but Fish Called Wanda is one of my favorite highest films. It's one of my favorite comedies. It's got some of the best performances from everyone in it. That's my favorite Jamie Lee Curtis performance. Oh, man. Kevin Klein just nailed That's it. That's my favorite Kevin Klein performance. And Kevin Not Wild Wild West? Amazing actor. Huh? Not Wild Wild West? No. No. Kevin Klein. No, not even. What a piece of shit. Um, although, I'll give you something. Now, you know what? Kevin Klein's not the best part of that movie. You know who the best part of that movie is? Of what? Well, uh, Wild, Wild West. You're going to say Selma Hayek or Noah, Kenneth Branagh? Kenneth Branagh is oh, the yeah, best yeah. part of that movie. Okay. And that one scene where they're making the racist comments back and forth. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. Yeah, that's the only two reasons to watch it. Kenneth Branagh in that one scene. Uh, Ted Levine. No. No. <laughs> no. Go, there are other, check out Ted Levine in The Mangler. That's more entertaining. Yeah, yeah. And that's not a good movie. No. Uh, no, but Fish Called Wanda, man. It's, it, God, it's, it's, Every line and it's funny. Yeah, he wrote on it. For, he wrote it for years. He finally got it made. It, it's I. So basic plot is is that he plays an uptight British lawyer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wanda is played as Jamie Lee Curtis, right? Yep. No, Wanda. Wanda's, Wanda's the, the fish, fish. But Jamie Lee Curtis's name's what? I don't know. Look it up. I can't Doesn't remember. Matter. <laughs> Jamie Lee Curtis and Kevin Klein are. are are hooking up with the one guy and they're trying to rip him off and he's robbing somebody and it doesn't matter and he gets pinched. No, she is named Wanda. She is named Wanda. That's right, because uh, uh, Michael Palin names the fish, fish Wanda. after Wanda because he has a crush. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm an idiot. That's okay. <laughs> Michael Palin has the best stuttering of anyone in film ever. Kill me! Anyway, I could sit here and quote it all day. Yes. Yes. You just right. thing to add to it, James? No, it's a great film. I, I, I literally Cleese. left it off because I figured y'all would do it. It's probably John Cleese's best performance. And we're talking John Cleese from the Python. What is he better in? I mean, actual three-dimensional character. Yellow beard. I believe Archie exists. Yellow beard. You don't believe Archie exists? And the thing about <laughs> Archie, even now, after, what is it, it's been 31 years, that movie's 31 years old, I think it came yeah, out in 88. God, it still holds up. The thing that I like about Archie is he's not a good person. No. He is married yeah. with kids. He married wealthy. And he really just wants to fuck Wanda. That's it. And he wants to get away from his boring life. Yep. And there's never given a reason of his wife's not terrible to him. They have their issues, but I don't see anything. In fact, she is all, in fact, I don't think he shows her any attention. No, he just, he just, right. He's a bored of his life. So he wants to find adventure. And here's Jamie Lee Curtis. And here's Jamie Lee Curtis looking all hot and being American. And I think they have kids too. And he leaves his kids. I mean, he, he has kids. He's they his have kids. kids. It's the same thing when Richard Dreyfus gets on that plane. I know the girl doesn't the daughter. <laughs> He's so bad, and he, he's like just dishing out money for a pony. I don't remember the pony. Uh, Is there I'm a maybe, pony subplot? I'm, I don't remember. I think you added that. I, I think that's something did. that happened with Haley. God, I gotta go. <laughs> what? I gotta go back and watch. Haley want a pony? No, she doesn't want a pony. She, she's scared. Well, give me, tell, let me talk to her. I thought you were talking about uh, the producer. That's what confused me. Like, not what? that, Haley. Well, <laughs> she may want a pony too. Who the fuck doesn't want a pony? I don't want a pony. I don't. I don't. There's a lot of upkeep. 
a lot of upkeep on a phone. Yeah, and, I can't. and they can kill you. Do you see what they did to poor Nick Offerman? No. A fish called Wanda. Go out, check it out. If you, I, I think that's one that probably, I don't know. Do you know people who have seen it? Yes, you did. But, oh, I mean, there's people now who haven't seen it. Yes. Yeah, it was a huge hit. Yeah, it was. Well, obviously, I mean, nominated for Academy Award. But there, as that movie gets older, didn't he win Best Supporting Actor for that? Kevin Klein. Kevin yes. Klein won Best Supporting Actor for that role, as as rightly so. Even though I kind of, I want to go back and look at the year's nominees to see who else was nominated in that role. But Kevin, are you saying he Marissa Tomei that? No. <laughs> Actually, Marissa Tomei is a wonderful actress. God, yeah, yeah. And my cousin, um, and she's really good. My cousin Vinny. She People really shit is. on it, and she's really good. And that movie still holds up. You, you mentioned John Cleese. One of my honorable mentions has John Cleese, and I was going to see if y'all could guess what the movie was based on just me naming some of the cast. What is it, it has John Cleese. It has Terry Jones. It has Peter Falk. And let's see. Uh, it has uh, uh, Peter Ustinoff. I don't know. Uh, I've already said John Cleese. It has uh, Jack Warden. Who is it? What it is has it? Robert Morley. And I'm going to give you the two that it, you should let you guess who it is. Diana Rigg and Charles Grodin. Oh, the Muppet, great Muppet. The great Muppet Caper. It's again another one you can watch with kids. Yeah. Although it's not one of my favorite Muppet movies. No, it's not one of mine either. Matter of fact, to be honest, I realize it's the one that I haven't seen in the longest. Yeah, probably me too, James. That's the I prefer Muppets Take Manhattan or Muppet Christmas Carol or the Muppet movie. Or yeah, I damn about damn near any of them over that one. Oh, I, 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 I like it better than Muppets in Space. I want to bring this up real quick. So Kevin Klein, best supporting actor in a leading role for a fish called Wanda. He beat out Alec Guinness for Little Dorrit, Dean Stockwell for Married to the Mob, Martin Landau for Tucker, the Man in His Dream, and River Phoenix for Running on Empty. <laughs> oh, three of those are good roles. Yeah, one of them I'm not for sure. But I'll about. just say all those. Dean Stockwell's really funny in Married to the Mob. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I, those are all great actors that Kevin Klein beat them for a fish called Wanda. Yeah. Well, River Phoenix could win next time. Oh. oh. See, they're probably thinking that. I said, well, I mean, yeah, in no all fairness. for room. Yeah. They're too specific for folk. Too. And in all fairness, I mean, that's what happens a lot of times. I mean, is, is um, Return of the King that much better than fellowship of the ring no but it's like well we've got three movies we'll catch them yeah <clears throat> all right so what are our honorable mentions james yours is that one what's yours chad oh, i got a bunch so you just want me to list them off yeah go ahead sneakers quick, mm, quick I, never, i'll enjoy sneakers i really do quick change quick change is one of my picks yeah but it, that was in our hidden gems episode yeah. that's why i didn't talk about it bandits mm, i like scenes in it billy bob's good in it sexy beast uh, I like him. The Brinks Job. I've never seen it. Directed by William Freakin. I know what you're talking about. It's, 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 it's Peter Falk. James left. It's Peter Falk. It's based on, on a real life. It, yeah, it's yeah. really entertaining. I highly recommend people going. It's one of those movies that people forget about. Highly recommend. Heist. David Mamet's Heist with Gene Hackman and David yeah. DeVito. The score. Yeah. Um, Henry's Crime with Keanu Reeves and Michael Caine. Mm. Three Kings. Three Kings is an honorable mention for me. Yes. The Usual Suspects. Yep. And The Lady Killers. Uh, which is the version? Both. Uh, I, both, but I prefer the Cohen, Cohen Brothers. Have you seen the original? I've seen it a long time ago, but the Cohen Brothers version is just so weird. 
taking a Pelham one, two, three. Uh, what? That was not on my damn list. I can't believe I forgot about the taking. Directed by Joseph Sargent, the original one. That's another all-star cast. Yes. Um, the other one I Which, have, by the way, the cast of that movie would not be cast today. No. No. Walter Matthau would not be a star today. No. <laughs> no. No. Carl Malt, no. Yeah, no. Carl <laughs> Malt, I think so. I can't remember. Anyway, the other one is a recent one, Hell or High Water. I love oh Hell with Chris Pine, Chris Pine and um yeah 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 God that's a good movie that is a good movie and Quick Change oh The Killing Stanley Cooper's The Killing with Sterling Hayden by the way speaking of Sterling Hayden I just finished up today while he was taking a nap I got him done for a nap and I'm cleaning here now so I'm having my staff over tomorrow and guess what I finished watching what The Long Goodbye and I didn't know Sterling Hayden is the drunk author author in it oh really yes the tall guy with the beard you know what I'm talking about yeah yeah because I'd never seen it. The Raymond Chandler of the Long Goodbye. You recommended it, and it was yeah. in our yeah PI episode. Oh, the Elliot Ness one. No, not Elliot Ness. Elliot Gould. Elliot Gould. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you said you really liked it. So uh, Philip Marlowe. Yeah, I liked it. But but in terms of who played Philip Marlowe the best, I still agree with what I said. Okay, just curious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I still, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I disagree. And the other one would be, and like I said, the last one is The Killing with Sterling Hayden and, uh, and Stanley Cooper. Uh, the one that uh, I didn't put on my list, and I'll just mention that real quick, Dead Presidents. Really? I enjoyed it. Okay. What do you got? Uh, mentions? Should we wrap up? All right, James. I've got, I've got one, and I can't remember the name of it, and it's driving me crazy. Well, Because I saw it in theaters, and I liked it, and it always reminds me of The Sting. Crossroads is not a heist movie. Isn't it? Didn't they still are? Didn't they still are hard? I don't know why Britney Spears road movie came in my head. You know, there's an actual other movie called Crossroads. Oh, I'm sure there's like several movies called Crossroads. I didn't even think about the Britney Spears one. I don't know why it came in my head. I don't know why that's the one you thought of. I don't know either. I'm kind of concerned. I was thinking about him making a deal with a demon. All right. Well, what's what's the movie you probably can remember it before I can? Because I watched it in theaters, I liked it. It's not one of my favorites, though. Obviously, since I'm blanking on the title, but where the line is, never trust a redhead, and it's how the guy lives his entire life as he's trying to do this con. Never trust a redhead. Oh, hold on. I mean, if we're doing con movies, we could have talked about Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Yeah, or match. No, no, but I mean, it's it's a he he's doing a heist. Oh, oh is this the one with Will Smith? Will Smith. Yeah, there's a con movie too. Where's uh, what was that called? Mm-hmm. Margot Rob Robbie. Six degrees of separation. No, no, oh no, I don't know. I saw it and I don't remember the name of it. I just remember the one scene. All right, doesn't matter. So that was our heist episode. That was our heist episode. <laughs> James has just dropped the ball from this. No, I. It's gonna drive me nuts. I'm gonna. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, while we're while he's looking that up, I do want to say thank you to uh, Scarefest and uh, Wicked World for having me out last night. Thank you so much. It was nice to stop by and talk for ten minutes, basically, and that was it. And I'm pretty sure you can't see anything on the video because it was dark outside. Yeah, we probably should have thought of that. Of course, I wasn't in charge. However, go out and check out Wicked World. Caitlin Marie Jones. She was on our show before. Yep. And uh, they do a great job. Go out if it's Halloween season right now. We're going to probably do some sort of Halloween episode as we're getting closer no, to it. Yeah, we have to. Yeah, we always enjoy doing them anyway. We love horror movies. So check those out. Subscribe. Which, which by the way, 
maybe in that episode I'll talk about, uh, I just recently watched Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. I have thoughts. You'd never seen No, Texas I've Chainsaw seen it many times, but it's the first time recently, like in the past five years I've watched it. We'll talk about it. I hope Confidence, by the way. We'll talk about it. Confidence. What? The movie is Confidence. Confidence? Yes, Edward Burns. Yeah, I some I don't know why I don't like Edward Burns. Tell me. Why Edward, don't I like you, Edward? Edward Burns, Burns Rachel Wise, yeah. Morris Chestnut, and it's it's it, and Paul Giamatti. Paul Giamatti is great. Robin Ryan. Nope. I like the one with the the Fraser's dad in it, the brothers something. Oh, brothers McMullen, maybe McMillan. Anyway, anyway, McMillan and wife. All right, thank you so much. This has been James. Huh? Bonehead. Else to say so. Tune in to Bonehead. Why, why did you wave? Because I don't want them to remember this way, episode ending. Tune in to Bonehead. They've already tuned in. They could tune in again. Watch the episode. Tune in next time. How about next time? We could also do that, or they could rewatch this episode a million times. You could. Are they relaunching Amazing Stories? What? Edward Burns has a credit for the upcoming TV series Amazing Stories. Okay. All Tell right. Now. Bye, Thanks. everybody. Bye, everybody. <laughs> Let's push stop on this recording video. Grrrr. <laughs>